All right. Awesome. Welcome in, everybody. Get started here in just a second. I'm getting set up. I'm going to do a little live stream today. Okay, here we go. Hi, everyone. This is Achuta Bhava from Nightlight Astrology. Today, we are going to take a look at this week's lunar eclipse, which is happening in Taurus. Uh, this eclipse is happening tomorrow, late tomorrow night into um, the 18th into the 19th. So I'm going to pull that up. We're going to take a look at it on the real-time clock. And then what we're going to do today is we're going to walk that eclipse through all 12 signs based on your rising sign and look at what house it's going to land in in your birth chart based on your rising sign. And then I'm going to take questions from all of you uh, as much as I can as we go, <clears throat> if there are any about all of the rising signs. So that is the agenda for today. And I thought it would be fun to do a live cast because, you know, it's eclipse week and a lot of people have the eclipse on their mind. It's a big day also with Mars opposing Uranus. So I figured, you know, let's create a little a little astrological community today, which should be fun. So tell me where you guys are coming from in the chat box. I love hearing a little roll call. Um, I'm just going to start reading some of them here uh, in a minute, actually. I'll just come back to that in a second because people are still doing it. In the meantime, I want to remind all of you that I am in the midst of my Kickstarter, which means that between now and the end of the year, between now and January 1st, I am raising money to support this channel in 2022. I'm going to go ahead and share this on my screen right now so you can see what the Kickstarter looks like. And uh, I'll share a link too in the, um, you know, in the chat box. So uh, let's see here. Okay, so here is the Kickstarter page. And uh, let's see, I'll just copy the link right here. And I'll put it into the chat box right now in case you guys want to check it out. <clears throat> so between now and the end of the year, we are trying to raise the support of 1,367 backers, which is one better than we did last year. So we're always just trying to do one better than we did the year before. And when you donate and support this channel, you're supporting a lot of really awesome things. For starters, I have a staff of people that help me to make sure that this content gets out and so you're helping support literally a staff of people that are behind the production of this channel, um, two people in particular. And you're also supporting me and my family. Uh, you're also supporting the ability that I have to create need-based scholarships for over 50% of my students and a lot of other things that we do, charitable things that we do throughout the year. We're building a community herbal medicine garden where we create herbal medicine all year round that we literally just give away to people in the community who otherwise couldn't afford seeing an herbalist. Um, so we're always trying to do good things with um, the funds that you guys give us through this channel and build cool things into the future. This year, probably into the next year, just due to uh, COVID and moving and things like that, we're also going to be... Um, in, we'll be in the process of building a donation-based reading clinic, which means that people will be able to also have donation-based astrology readings with my graduates. So we're in the process of building these things. It's just kind of slow because it's a small team of us. But at any rate, uh, when you donate and support my channel in the year ahead, you can also pick a reward. So 
There's tons of exclusive video lectures. There's readings you can pick out. And probably the best thing and most popular thing, all of my 2022 online training programs are over 50% off, especially if you bundle them together. So if you pick like, you know, I have four programs, my first year program, second year program, readings and passages and horary program, you can bundle one, two, three, or four of them together and choose whatever program you want. And not only is it 50% off of the normal price, but that's actually another four or $500 off the early bird rate. So it's a really good deal, best deal of the year in terms of saving on my programs if you plan on studying with me or taking one of my advanced courses if you're one of my year one students or something like that. So I really deeply appreciate your support. There's a ton that goes into the creation of these daily horoscope videos. My day starts, and I apologize, you can see I cut myself shaving this morning and uh, we're just gonna hope it doesn't bleed all over me again. Anyway, um, so, Every morning when I wake up, it's the same routine, you know, uh, we're mantra meditation, uh, working out, and then sitting down reading sacred scriptures, and then planning out my talk for the day, uh, from that space of prayerfulness. And that's a practice that I have, you know, five days a week, year round, I've been doing it for eight or nine years right now. And um, so you know that who and what you're supporting, uh, I put a lot of time and love and heart into these videos. Uh, this is my life and soul. This takes up about half of my work day every single day because of the routine that goes into creating it. So the videos are short, but this is like half of my day every day, year round. So if you value it, I really appreciate your support and, uh, and your donation means a lot. Let's see if we can get, we got in the first two days, we're already at a hundred and I think 40 backers or something, which is amazing. That's our best start ever. So uh, we're trying to beat 1,366. That was what we got to last year. That's, uh, you know, this channel has 47, almost 47,000 subscribers. So it's a very small percentage of backers that we need to make this thing happen. If you value it, if you watch it every day, if you love it, then please uh, consider supporting. And if not, if you can't afford to support, just throw up a prayer that, you know, we would uh, create, I would create good content in the year ahead that my spiritual practice would stay steady, and that the integrity of this channel would remain solid. So I uh, really appreciate it. All right. So thank you for letting me talk about that for a moment. I'm going to put the real time clock up. And now we're going to dive into talking about this eclipse because, wow, you know, what a week it's, it's like, it's such a, um, it's such a potent week right now, given that, um, we have Mars opposite Uranus and the eclipse and everything. It's just so potent. Let's go ahead and uh, you can see right now that as we're speaking, Mars is opposite Uranus. And that Mars opposition to Uranus is you know, perfecting today. So if you haven't yet seen any of the videos that I've been making over the past week about Mars's opposition to Uranus, especially the one I did yesterday where I took it through the houses, be sure to watch that. That's a really uh, that's a it's a really important transit. I'm not going to be spending a ton of time on it today. We're going to be looking forward to the eclipse, which is now starting to come through. Eclipse in the sign of Taurus. It'll be perfecting shortly here. So let's take a look at when that's happening. Okay, so if we move this forward a day, excuse me, to Thursday, November 18th, and then we go forward to. Here it is. So you can see here that the um, the full moon is coming through 
about this is like 3 51 a.m friday november um 19th that's east coast time uh someone asked me yesterday why do you always have it set to new york city and not minneapolis and the answer to that is every time i close my program and open it back up it defaults back to new york city and i can't figure out even though i changed the default why it won't stick so i don't know it just keeps bouncing back to new york city but at any rate so there's the eclipse in taurus that's coming through and you know this eclipse is happening through a it through a very uranian moon cycle overall let's go back to the beginning of the cycle and just remind ourselves about where we've been right so if we go back to the new moon this new moon was happening i'm gonna i'm gonna actually put put it forward here so we can see here it is so the new moon happened in an exact opposition with uranus right powerful new moon so it's it, the, the cycle of uh, this lunar cycle really embodies the Uranian theme of revolution, progress, sudden disruptions, unexpected twists and turns. You know, it's um, very significant uh, when you have a, a new moon like that in the midst of an eclipse cycle that's exactly opposed Uranus. You know, you're in for a little bit of a roller coaster ride in the cycle ahead. Okay, so we know that there's the potential for polarization, uh, extreme divergences uh politically religiously philosophically ideologically and we're going to see that potentially play out here under in the next few days um so if we push the moon forward to first quarter moon you may remember that last week under the first quarter moon we had mercury and mars squaring saturn and that was under the first quarter moon and then this week now we're finally, we got into, and Mercury opposed Uranus last week. Now this week, as the full moon's coming through, we have Mars opposite Uranus. So the initial Uranian signature of the moon cycle is being like detonated this week as the eclipse comes through. So that's what we're looking at. I'm going to take it through all 12, uh, 12 rising signs in a minute. Um, but first I want to... Um, Let's just also, I wanted to just make sure I understood. I wanted to see where people were coming from before we dive into it. Colorado, New Mexico, Northern California, Sweden, England, Edinburgh, Edinburgh, uh, Kansas City, Raleigh, Hawaii, Florida, Pennsylvania, Richmond, Cincinnati, Colorado, Michigan. Amazing. Thank you guys so much for roll call. I really appreciate it. Uh, and I'm also, um, yeah, just love, I just love, love. It's just amazing. I was like, how did people even find this channel? You know what I mean? Like I started it. I remember it was like it's a couple hundred people. And then all of a sudden there was like lots of people like, how did that even happen? But at any rate, um, so <clears throat> Let's talk about, before we talk uh, breaking down the eclipse through the houses, let's talk a little bit about the difference between a solar and a lunar eclipse, because most of the time people are going to um, ask, well, what is the, you know, what, what's the difference between this eclipse and the eclipse coming up on December 4th, for example, our next eclipse, which is a solar eclipse. So the big difference between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse is basically the same exact difference between a new moon and a full moon. 
Under a new moon, we're talking about the theme of beginnings. We're talking about a seed that's being planted that will gestate, manifest around the full moon, show its fruits, start to wilt and fall apart by the last quarter moon down to the dark moon and round and round we go. And this kind of ebb and flow is there all year round because of our lunar cycles. So what you have to think about is what's the difference between a new moon and a full moon? Because that's exactly the same difference between a solar eclipse and a lunar eclipse. When you're thinking about a new moon, you're thinking about the impregnating of the moon and the sun or the, the moon from the sun. The, the sun represents the impulse toward action. So our lives are defined by not just one plot line, but many, many plot lines that unfold throughout time. And um, whenever the sun and moon come together, it's as though the, the moon, which represents the unfolding of events in forms and time, uh, is going to be impregnated by a seeding image or desire or impulse uh, or a, an, an action, like a plot line. So our, our lives have big plot lines, and then they have little plot lines, month by month by month. We do solar return charts to see what the plot line looks like for the year ahead. We do progressed lunar, um, we do the, we look at the progressed lunation cycle in order to track the gestation of circumstances relative to big long cycles. So in ancient astrology, there's like all sorts of different ways of tracking seasons of life, long seasons, short seasons, seasons within seasons. And um, time is like a mandala in astrology, right? So when you're talking about an eclipse, first of all, you're, not, you're talking about all, one moon cycle and the gestation from the impregnation at the new moon with a, a seeding image or desire or series of actions that will then unfold, blossom, and sort of reach its peak tension at the full moon, start giving its fruits, and then slough off by the last quarter and so forth. But you're talking about that within an 18 year cycle, right? So here's what I wanna show you guys first. Let's look at the last time that we had eclipses in Taurus and Scorpio and look at what was going on. I mean, just as a way of tracking for starters. So, because these cycles, these, uh, these cycles are, the big thing about an eclipse is it's not just a normal newer full moon, it's also like a mega newer full moon and then it's one that has the timeline of 18 years or so involved with it. So here is the, uh, here's the chart on the screen. We're going to go backward in time. Now, about every nine years, you'll get the recur eclipses recurring in the same signs, but the nodes will be flipped. So if we go back a little bit, you might notice, for example, that, um, oops, here we go. So this is like 2012, in the fall of 2012, thereabouts, you can see that we're, start, we're getting eclipses back in 2012, um, right around, you know, Scorpio, Taurus, this is the, the nodes are in the late degrees of Scorpio, Taurus, so, you know, fall of 2012, right? Then you can see these play out if we go forward a little bit longer, just keep your eye on those nodes of the moon, and watch if we go forward a little bit. You can see the nodes progressing through their, they retrograde, they move backward in general. Nodes of the moon, the little horseshoe shapes, they're moving. And this is, you know, August 2013. So by the fall of 2013, you can see that they're, they're almost done in the sign of Scorpio and Taurus. So you're looking at like November 
2012 to about November 2013, Scorpio season 2012 to Scorpio season 2013. That's the timeline around which we last saw these eclipses. Uh, just so you know, like I'll just give you a quick example, right? Like um, for me, these I'm a Taurus rising. So these eclipses fall in my first and seventh house. Well, at the conclusion of these eclipses, um, I was I had proposed to my wife, right? So these eclipses brought about a real deepening and more seriousness in my relationship, a lot of um, big life choices we were making together. And then, you know, um, uh, big choices we made, a big choice we made to get married. So, and you can see these patterns. So most likely there will be more big decisions and probably, um, you know, significant changes within my marriage or in relation to my, my wife, for example, she's taking a year off to kind of figure out what she wants to do um, after uh, some, after closing our yoga studio in DC and moving to Minneapolis, she's taking a year to like, we'll just kind of chill, calm down the level of work she's doing to kind of reflect on where she wants to go with her career next. So you know, eclipses coming back in those houses for me right now would signify longer plot lines, seasons, and themes in my life. So it's not just like a regular moon cycle. You're tying it into like long historical themes in your life. Now, let's say if we go back even further. So now we're going to go back to the 18-year marker where the nodes are actually in the exact same signs uh, that they are now uh, rather than being flipped. So Let's go back to, here we go. Okay, so here you can see, and I'm going to just back this up a little bit more. <clears throat> so in the spring, you can see right here. So we're talking about the spring of about, spring, early summer of 2003. So here is, here are the nodes again in Taurus and Scorpio. Now, this time in Taurus and Scorpio, they are where they are right now, which means you have the south node of the moon moving from Sagittarius into Scorpio, which is about to happen in the next couple of months. Even though this eclipse is technically out of sign, the nodes haven't quite shifted into Scorpio and Taurus. We're getting our first eclipses in Scorpio and Taurus. So that's why I'm going back to these because that's that's what that's where we're heading right now. So this is the first eclipse of a long series in Scorpio and Taurus. So you go back to the summer or like late spring, summer of 2003, and you can see the nodes have moved into Scorpio and Taurus again. And now they're exactly in the same place that they are right now. North node about to be into Taurus, south node into Scorpio. So again, if I put this, let's just say I want to put... Uh, Taurus on the ascendant. I'm going to, there we go. Let's do that. So here's Taurus on the ascendant. So this matches my own birth chart. So in 2003, in the summer of uh, 2003 in particular, what was happening? Well, at that point in time, I got into a relationship uh, that would really have um, a very important impact on my psyche. I got into a relationship, just this is a little story. I think you guys will enjoy it. Got into a relationship with a Christian girl and I was a youth, I was a youth pastor at the time. I was working in a church and I was a youth pastor for kids in the church. And um, this, I was dating this Christian girl and the relationship really didn't work out. 
And because that relationship didn't work out, it was, it also set me on a path of starting to explore outside of my traditional Christian upbringing, uh, dating people outside of it, exploring outside of it, starting to do psychedelics, all triggered by a massively painful breakup that I had with this Christian girl and a kind of crisis of faith that it put me in. I, I can't tell you, it sounds kind of weird, but like, I don't know. It was just a breakup that changed the course of my life. So if you're, and that was happening during those eclipses back in 2003. So you can take those eclipses forward all the way into 2004 as well. I recommend if you want to get the most out of studying this upcoming eclipse, not only listen to me talk about, you know, which house is falling into in your chart, but thinking back into 2003 and four, as well as going, uh, you know, back into 2012 and 13, what kinds of things were happening in your life at those times within the topical areas that we're about to discuss? That's, to me, you're going to get the most out of the eclipse reading if you do that. I'm curious in the chat box if anyone um, can think initially about what was happening. I'd love to see your stories. What was happening for you in 2012 and 13? What house was the eclipse? Were the eclipse? What houses were the eclipses falling into, and so forth? As well as going back to 2003 and four. So, at any rate, um, so crazy. Someone said I started an electrolysis business in 2003. In 2012, I started construction on an additional space to add skincare, but I'm about to consolidate and close the skincare side. See, that's exactly what I mean, where there's like, you're going to see these narratives that have this really intimate connection. Because by the way, that was that 2003-4 time for me, when I broke up with that girl, started exploring out, that was when I found yoga, right? And then I would end up meeting my wife, who was a yoga instructor at the time, right? and starting a yoga studio together in DC. So, you know, the, these, these timelines are so profound when you start linking them together. Don't take it in a vacuum and don't take my word for it. Go do the research and figure out like research historically, sit down and go like, what was I doing in 2003, four or 2012, 13? What were the big turning points in my life? And then you can use the reference of the houses we're about to talk about. So at any rate, um, let me just see if there's any questions at this point that I should answer. Do, do, do. Will my wife still offer classes in 2022? No, she's taking a year off, but is going to return in some capacity. Probably I, uh, she wants to anyway, right now it's the intention to return, but she's just, just taking a year, you know, some of you probably know what it's like to be, you know, a full-time mom uh, plus, you know, trying to work. And um, she was for a long time running a, a total, you know, a full yoga studio. So she's just, um, she's taking a year off to just kind of figure out what is the next phase of life, you know, going to look like. I've, I've really encouraged her to do that because, you know, I just don't want her to burn out. And I think it's, you know, it's like, it's, it's, um, it's good if you can just take a little time and breathe and like, what do I want to do? Where, what should I do? Um, so, and I, I'm pretty sure her classes will be back in some form in the following year. So yeah, at any rate, that's a good question. No, she's, she, she loves herbs and teaching too much to, uh, you know, like just not do it anymore, but 
it's similar to a female cycle and therefore the life cycle. Yeah, you could think about that. I mean, it's a metaphor, right? So the moon is like um, gestational. And what does it gestate with? It gestates according to the unfolding of um, a plot line, according, you know, it's like a, a book or a movie or, you know, a novel or something can't move forward without a plot line. So the sun is that like seeding idea. This is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. This is the desire I have. This is the impulse I'm following. And then it gestates and it plays out throughout the moon cycle. Good questions. Okay. So I'm going to go into the chart now and um, we're going to walk through the 12 rising signs um, according to the, according to where the eclipse is playing out in your birth chart. Sorry, I'm rambling here because I'm getting lost. Okay, there we go. So here's the real time clock. Now, what I want to do is just talk about each position and some things that you should watch for. So let's put this. Here's Aries on the ascendant now. So you should be able to see this. Let me just make sure that people can see it. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So if you are, and I'm going to move this actually, let's move it forward one day so that you can see the eclipse forming. So here's the eclipse forming in your second house. If you're in Aries rising, we're using whole sign houses the way Hellenistic astrologers did. And the idea here being that the lunar eclipse falls in your second. So we're talking about long cycles of change related to money, related to your resources. Now your resource can be something within you that you cultivate, a skill, an ability, a, a talent, an interest. Uh, it can be, it's, it's kind of like in your garden, what is growing? What are you cultivating? What are you watering and what crops up and has the ability to support you or, or lend itself to you as an aid or a resource? But it comes from within. It comes from your own cultivation. So you're thinking about long cycles of change and transformation, and you're going to start seeing a lot more of this in the next year and a half, uh, addressing money, finances, resources, etc. So that's what you should expect to see. Maybe you don't, see, you know, remember you have eclipses next spring, next fall, and the spring after in 2023, recurring in this place now. So we're just trying to prep you for the season of change that's coming in that area of your life if you're in Aries rising. It's about resources. Okay, let's go forward. If you're a Taurus rising, this is happening in the first house. So health, your body, your physical constitution, as well as themes of independence versus dependence generally. Anytime that the first house is activated, we're talking about the theme of individuality, individuation, which really means... Um, you know, it's existential and it has to do with my sense of character, my sense of calling, my unique sense of uh, life direction and purpose. It really is not about anyone else but me. Uh, so it's, it's a really good time if you're a Taurus rising to be looking at that. For example, as these eclipses are coming through, I've been getting a lot more serious about my health, which is interesting because if you go back to 2003, when I had these eclipses in the first house at the uh, north node of the moon heading into the first house, that was a period of time where I was departing from the Christian fold, in a sense, 
and really going like, who am I? What am I doing with my life? Uh, what, who am I really apart from social concerns and so forth? Changes in relationships can come simultaneously, right? Because it's, a, it's always a dyad with the first and the seventh, especially. But questions about individuality, health, individuation, um, assessing where you're at and where you need to be going. It's also a good time for the starting of new things. The first house was associated with birth and inception. So new things that are getting started, that the birth of new projects or new phases in life or something like that. It's a great time to take better care of your health, especially. Um, but anyway, so that, that gives you a feeling for this. And this has history. Go back to 2003, 4, 2012, 13. Look at what's going on around those times. All right, if we put Gemini on the ascendant, when Gemini is on the ascendant, let's see here. So the lunar eclipse happens in the 12th house. Now, this house is called Malas Daimon, or the evil spirit. And it has a lot to do with things that carry us off from our center of authority, from our center of sanity, from our center of health, from our center of integrity. Those things that carry us off are often our best teachers. It could be a bad relationship. It could be a drug habit. It could be a way of undermining ourselves. It could be self-esteem problems. It could be anything. It could be people that we're hanging out with, a job that we're in. It could be mold in your basement. I mean, it, you know what I mean? It's any kind of environmental influence that is unhealthy, that's undermining you, that's not really working for you. Uh, the feeling of um, confusion about your real sense of belonging or purpose, uh, a sense of wandering that's being addressed. Now that might all sound kind of dark or heavy, but when you go through 12th house eclipses and the, by the time the cycle is done, you often really feel like you've rediscovered all of the things that really matter to you by virtue of having to sort through the things that are undermining you. And so that might be a little bit heavier for Gemini rising, Sagittarius too, to a certain extent. We'll get to that in a little bit, but look at, you know, how have you addressed similar time periods in your life? How did you handle 2012 and 13 or 2003 and four? And maybe there's some insight there that could uh, speak to you now as you're heading into a similar series. These, the 12th house was considered to be a liminal space, which also means it's like a world between worlds. It's called metacosmios. And that meaning is like, it's a place where the gods might be messing with you a little bit, you know, where there's, there's a feeling of like, um, of what's going on here. Uh, there's almost like a, a sense of existential bewilderment that can come with the 12th house, but all who wander are not lost as Gandalf said, that's something I always say with the 12th house. So you have to just be content to work through a sort of gestational phase where you're, you might be clearing out things, people, influences that really aren't the best for you. So there can be a lot of wisdom in these times, if, especially if you're very patient with the process and taking a lot of time for reflection, contemplation, in developing your inner life during 12th house eclipse seasons, especially. So let's move forward. If you're a Cancer rising, then you're going to see this Taurus eclipse falling in your 11th house. Now, this was called the joy of Jupiter in the house of friends and allies, groups and associations of people. When you have an eclipse in this house, again, look back to those 2003 and 4, uh, 12 and 13 time periods. 
it is likely that your association with people or your affiliation with people professionally or socially is going to change significantly and not always in an easy way, especially given Uranus, the presence of Uranus in that house. You know, maybe there's political drama going on in some group that you belong to. Maybe there's a group of friends that you're realizing this isn't for me anymore. Maybe there's some religious or spiritual community you belong to and there's some drama happening there. Whatever it is, it's a time of changing associations socially in the in broader, especially in the context of broader groups in your life and the people that you share similar goals, values, and ambitions with. Uh, and, and you can find that new people are coming in and old are going out uh, or that your involvement in something is going to change significantly, who you're collaborating with is going to change. So that those are the themes that I would really watch for. And remember, this has a history. How did you deal with it under those previous eclipse cycles? That's really important. Uh, so let's go forward. If you're a Cancer rising, now we're going into Leo rising. So if you're a Leo rising... <clears throat> This eclipse falls into your 10th house, which is the career house. So we're talking about changes, cyclical changes in your career that have a long history, back to 2012 and 13, back to 2003 and four. Eclipses in the career house, job changes, uh, company changing companies you work for, the type of work that you're doing. Remember, since May of 2018, Uranus has been in your 10th house, suggesting the need for, you know, revolutionary change in the in your professional life. The eclipses are going to amplify that. This is a Uranian cycle, right? So, but really focusing on how is my career changing? Or more broadly speaking, the 10th house is called praxis, which literally means action. What do I what do I do every day? What occupies my time and my energy? And eclipses there might be saying, you know, there's an expiration date to something that you've been doing. Something that you that constitutes a practice that you do every day uh, is going to change. The way you spend your time every day and what occupies you is literally done. A lunar eclipse often means like a door is closing. It's the end of something. There will be new beginnings, especially next spring when you get a solar eclipse up there in the 10th house. But right now, you're, I'm also thinking about seasons coming to a close, expirations, and uh, the conclusion of things in some uh, some way in the, in the career area for you, if you're a Leo rising. So let's go forward. If you're a Virgo rising, if you are a Virgo rising, this lunar eclipse falls into your ninth house. <clears throat> so the, um, and I see someone mentioning that the changes were radical, but not professional at all. Home, family, relationships, but not career. That's often because remember that um, the 10th is intimately connected to the 4th, which is the place of home and family. So these, these houses are often like they, the eclipse cycles come in dyads. And sometimes one house is going to be more emphasized than the other, depending on your birth chart. But at any rate, if you're a Virgo rising, the eclipse falls into Taurus in your ninth house. The ninth house was a place that was associated with our guiding values, ethics, principles, beliefs, religious um, convictions, po political convictions. So whatever is guiding you along, signs and omens from the gods, your study of astrology, your study of yoga, you know, your study of Buddhism, whatever it is, you're, maybe you're a Christian, maybe you're a Jew, but whatever your religious or um, spiritual background is, 
or whatever you're studying in life, however you're expanding your mind, maybe even the subject of travel, you're going to see a lot of emphasis on these themes. When I've had ninth house eclipses, those have been really big turning points in my life around religion, spirituality, education, uh, studying astrology, uh, starting to share or teach things to other people. I had eclipses there at one point when I was starting um, uh, my work as a, um, a teacher on a, uh, what do you call, what am I calling it? A um, teaching fellowship. So I taught English composition at a, you know, in a, in graduate school as a teaching fellow eclipses in the ninth house. So you're going to see potentially the themes of education, religion, spirituality, your beliefs, and some, again, a lunar eclipse. Yeah, I'm often seeing that people like I've been, I've spent a long time with a teacher or a program and now I'm letting it go, or I'm, there's something new coming in and I'm letting go of go of something old, um, but significant changes uh, that can also bring a paradigm shift, especially given Uranus in the ninth house that there's since 2018, there's been more radical ideas, changes of mind coming in, a par paradigm change that's long, slow with Uranus in the ninth house, but can also come in bursts when Uranus is being triggered and activated as it is right now. So that's if you're a Virgo rising. Let's go forward to Libra rising. So if you're a Libra rising, the full moon lunar eclipse here in Taurus is in your eighth house. Now that is a place that's associated with death. And I'll just be honest. Sometimes you see deaths happen with lunar eclipses in the eighth house in the family. Typically it's not anything that's shocking or devastating or out of the blue. It's going to be grandma who, you know, is probably at that time in life where she could be ready to pass. It's typically people that have been ill for a long time or something like that. Like lunar eclipse in the eighth house can mean death in the family, can mean inheritance. It can also speak to the topic of resources, emotional, spiritual, uh, psychological, material that come from other people. And the way that our, our lives works, we, we don't always recognize this, but so much of our lives base, is based on um, dependencies that we have, you know what I mean? Like who's, who's supporting us and, um, what resources are we dependent upon that do not come from ourselves solely, but that deeply are, in, you know, embedded in certain karmic bonds that we have with other people. So the landscape of those dependent areas in our life can change dramatically when eclipses happen in the eighth house. So watch for that as well. <clears throat> also questions about, is this a healthy form of dependency or is it an unhealthy form of dependency? Uh, do I go out and seek other people's esteem too much? That can be an eighth house question. Also, eighth house is a place of fear and anxiety and dealing with um, uh, worries, you know, and, and the theme of death is a little morbid. So if you're facing fears and working through uh, deeper uh, topics, especially the topic of our own mortality too, if you Sometimes the eighth house will bring up, you know, a little bit of a health crisis or for someone in the family or yourself or something, it'll just make you realize like I'm mortal, you know, it doesn't mean that you're going to die or anything necessarily, you know, like tragic has to happen, but it can draw you back to what matters by putting you in touch with um, the, the themes of the underworld. And the reason for that is that this place was called the gate of Hades, the place where planets are moving through as they prepare to sink and set in the West and go into the underworld. At any rate, so that's if you're a Libra rising. Now, if you're a Scorpio rising, then we have 
the lunar eclipse playing out in your seventh house. Now that's the place of relationships. So whereas for Tauruses, there's such an emphasis on individuation. If you're a Scorpio rising, the change is happening in intimate relationships. There's about three ways that I see this taking place. New relationships or expiring relationships, right? Meeting significant people that maybe it's not a romantic relationship. It's going to have a really big impact on you somehow. Or uh, the third one, which is that very important things are happening in the life of a partner or spouse someone that you're very close with, there's big changes happening to them or in their life somehow that involve you or that bring you in by proxy. Those tend to be the biggest things that happen when you get eclipse cycles in that house. So, uh, you know, I see people, eclipses in my seventh, is my relationship going to end? If you have a strong relationship, no, most of the time it's not, but it is going to mean that there's big changes happening for your partner or that in the relationship, you guys are at a crossroads. You have to make a lot of big decisions. Are we going to live here? Who's going to uh, you know, whose job is being prioritized and the decisions we're making or, you know, so there's a lot of need for cooperation when eclipses are coming through there. You don't have to worry that it's just like, oh, there's eclipses, my relationship is going to end. No, I mean, if the relationship is on the rocks, very well could, but if there's, um, you could meet someone new too, you could, you could fall in love or even get married eclipses, you know, eclipse cycles in those houses, like I got engaged under one in, in my seventh house and uh, you know, so, and I have them coming through my, I have eclipses coming through my seventh house in Scorpio because I've got Taurus rising. I'm not, I'm not sitting here freaking out about my relationship. We're, you know, we're tight. So, uh, but I, I do know that there's going to be things that'll come up, probably big choices for us. A lot of emphasis on maybe leveling up somehow, you know, in the, in the relationship, we go through stages where we grow a lot. We're tested and we're challenged. Our stuff comes up more. So that wouldn't be surprising in, in an intimate relationship. If you have um, eclipses in your seventh house. All right. So that's, if you're a Scorpio rising, let's put it forward to Sagittarius rising. If you are a Sag rising, then this is falling in your sixth house. Now, remember the sixth house was called the joy of Mars. It was called Mala Fortuna and the, um, the place of bad fortune. That's just, it's just, you know, like every day, like, let's just, <clears throat> let's say you go to the store you really need something, they're out of it. That would be bad fortune. That would be an example of bad fortune. So just daily frustrations, challenges, uh, struggles, um, irritations, some of those things might be just a little bit amplified when you have uh, the moon eclipses happening in the sixth house, health problems a little bit more than usual. Um, hard work, the kind of stuff that doesn't pay off right away. There's a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and sacrifice before you get to see the results of your labor. So sixth house eclipses, like when I had my last sixth house eclipses, by the way, <clears throat> I had a few health issues that came up and I was grinding away building this YouTube channel, like from scratch, not knowing what the hell I was doing. You know what I mean? So that was one of the hardest years of work in my life. And I had a bunch of health stuff that came up that year. I overcame the health stuff and the work paid off eventually. So you, you often find that like the work you put in, the perseverance that you show, the determination, steadfastness, the patience, and the ability to just take your lumps with six house um, eclipses will often translate into productivity and results later. There's nothing really great in life that comes without sacrifice. So I just encourage everyone, all my Sag Risings to take this stuff in stride if difficult things are coming up because it can feel really frustrating. But if you react 
then it's like a spiral and it just creates more and more uh, soupy, hard stuff to deal with, with sixth house eclipses. So I always tell you, just be really careful of that in general. Um, also in the sixth house, there sometimes is concern with those who are suffering. There's like a heightened sense of wanting to serve or help people who are suffering and being led into some kind of righteous battle. That's kind of the, the sixth house was associated with military, selfless service, martyrs, things like that as well. So maybe there's some call to sacrifice something to be in, you know, like if you think about the sixth house Taurus, someone who might buy a piece of land and build it into an eco farm or something, and a lot of work, a lot of sacrifice, it's a big risk, it's a big investment, you're on your own, you know, no promise of that it'll turn out or not, but you, you feel so passionate about it, that can be like a sixth house type of thing as well. All right, Sages, uh, let's move on to Capricorn. So if we put Capricorn on the ascendant, then the eclipse is going to fall. Actually, let me just back this up by one day so we can still, there we go. So the eclipse will fall in your fifth house. Now the fifth house was called the house of good fortune. It was also called the joy of Venus. Broadly speaking, the fifth house has to do with pleasure. Are you happy? Are you feeling joy and pleasure? Are you feeling creatively fulfilled? It can be a very romantic house. It's a house that's associated with pregnancy. So let me just tell you right now, eclipses in your fifth house, if you're a Capricorn rising, can mean there's more babies coming. Just so you know. <laughs> and if you don't want them, be careful. But also, the fifth house can have to do with major changes in the lives of your children. You know, whatever they're going through, the identity changes that maybe they're hitting puberty, right? Maybe they're going off to college, whatever. The major developmental milestones in the lives of children, things you're temporarily having to deal with that are struggles. They're struggling socially. They're struggling at school. They're struggling with their behavior. Your relationship is a little bit more stressed. Normal when eclipse cycles move through the fifth for there to be some focus and challenges and also triumphs around children. Also, uh, I would mention pregnancies. And then broadly speaking, starting to evaluate, am I having fun? Am I, am I creatively fulfilled? Do I have creative outlets that are healthy that bring me joy and happiness and pleasure? So an evaluation of pleasure and also what's healthy pleasure versus what's unhealthy pleasure. What's good creative fulfillment and what's wasteful creative fulfillment. For example, you might have the best, you know, you might have the, the next great American novel in you, but you still have to pay the bills. You know what I mean? So sometimes it's also a balance between how do I, act on my creative inspiration while also balancing things, uh, you know, with some uh, degree of responsibility, you know, and that that's, so the, the balance between work and play sometimes comes up naturally. You see that also because right now Saturn's in your second house, if you're a cap rising, squaring that Uranus in your fifth house, place of creative satisfaction. So, you know, there could be some tension in those areas for you right now. All right, let's go forward again. If you are an Aquarius rising, then for the Aquarians out there, the Uranus, uh, the full moon in Taurus falls into your fourth house. Now, the fourth house is going to be the place of home, family, roots, land, property, parents, ancestral karma. So when you have eclipse cycles there, those are usually the ones that involve, and remember, it can, it can kind of ping off from the 10th house place of career as well. If you're talking about changes around family, around your living environment, moves are very common with this one, uh, relocating, uh, deaths in the family, births in the family, marriages in the family, buying homes, selling homes, 
also deep exploration of psychological wounds from childhood that can be a big theme. Um, changes in uh, you know sometimes even you know parents getting divorced or you know any kind of major transformation around the domestic side of life would be expected from these eclipses and go back to 2012 and 13, 2003 and four, to see if you can remember what those cycles looked like and see if you can connect the dots a little bit too. All right. Last but not least for Pisces rising, we're talking about the third house. Now the third house was called goddess and it was also called the joy of the moon. And one thing that I like to emphasize with the, um, uh, one thing that I like to emphasize with the third house, especially after talking with one of my colleagues last week, uh, Cassandra, um, I'm, I'm spacing on because Tyndall, uh, I was on Cassandra Tyndall's uh, YouTube channel last week, and, and we were she was one of my speakers in my recent series too. Uh, we were talking about the third house quite a bit because I have my, my own son and Mercury in the third house. The place is called Goddess, and it's called the Joy of the Moon, and it's really associated with all of the daily, um, the phrase that she used that I really liked was uh, meaningful rituals. So if you think about your everyday life, like if I, for example, I'm a sun and Mercury in the third house, every day I have the same routine that I do before I sit down and create these videos for the day. From my prayer, my meditation, study of sacred scriptures, sitting down and writing out my notes, drinking my tea. So the third house is like the moon insofar as it has to do with the rhythms of our everyday life. Maybe you take the subway to work every day and you read the same newspaper and you drink your same latte or whatever it is. But if you're thinking about the third house, you're thinking about the environment that creates the meaningful feeling of rhythm and ritual every day around you. And it's something that carries you out from and brings you back to your roots. So, you know, for me, it's like my, my office and the rituals I have in here, but it's also by extension, it's your mind. It's the environment around you and it's the mental and emotional environment. So when you have eclipses in this house, you're thinking about significant changes to your mindset and also the way that it spills out and changes the way you're doing things environmentally. It's like there's little gestalts here or there with the little daily ecosystems in our life. And when you have them in the third house, they can be quite profound. Interestingly, they can also spill over and affect relationships in your environment, depending on how rituals and mindset and, and mood and mindsets are changing. Uh, so don't underestimate. They're very subtle sometimes, the third house uh, dynamics, but watch for the landscape around you to be changing. Watch for rhythms to be changing. Watch for mind and mood to be changing. Watch for communication habits to be changing. And also taking the opportunity to make healthy changes in the way that you um, do the everyday stuff. Uh, for example, I had eclipses one time in the third house, and that was when I gave up caffeine, which was a huge part of my daily ritual. And I, for the longest time, I was like, well, how does that, because it happened right as an eclipse in the third house. And I was like, what is that? And then I eventually I realized, oh, it's because it's the third place. The third house was associated with the moon, the moon with both the mind and the environment in ancient astrology. So my environment changed significantly. My rhythms, my habits, my, my energy mentally changed significantly. So I want to take a little bit extra time since the third house can be a little elusive, but those are the kinds of changes you should be watching for. In addition, if you're Pisces rising, the third house can bring up stuff with siblings too. 
or anyone that's connected to home, family, and roots uh, in a sort of peripheral way. So that is what I have for you guys today. Um, I thought that you guys, I hope that you guys would enjoy this. I want to remind all of you that um, I will be back tomorrow. I will be back tomorrow again. Um, and I think I'm going to have a guest on tomorrow, possibly. I'm still confirming uh, Raph Radiant Ray. I don't know if you guys know uh, Ray from Radiant Reality. He might come back on to do throw some tarot cards, and we'll talk maybe a little bit more about the eclipses per sign with a little tarot added in if he's available. I'm not sure if he is or not yet. If not, we'll do something else. So um, I want to, again, thank you all for being such an amazing audience. I I love all of you guys spending time with you every day really means a lot to me. This is my spiritual practice. So like I said, like my day gets started early in the morning and half of my day, every single day, year round, Monday through Fridays is this channel. So if you enjoy this work, if you support it, uh, I really deeply appreciate that. We're trying to get to out of the 47,000 backers, we're trying to get about, you know, 1% basically, we're trying to get to support this channel a little bit more than that, but it's uh, 1,367 backers will uh, beat last year's record. And all I'm trying to do every year is grow. This is how I grow my business. My, you know, my business is reliant upon the support of you guys. And however well I do, I always try to make sure that we're putting things back into you guys, into this channel, into my spiritual life so that the content remains really at the, at the best level that I'm capable of. Um, this is how I support my family. This is how I support a staff of people that help me. So if you guys like this content, if you subscribe, if you watch it regularly, $10 helps, $5 helps. You can also pick out readings, rewards, 50% uh, off to all of my online classes in 2022. So it's really, um, really amazing. I put the link to the Kickstarter in the chat box right now. I'll put it in the description to this video. Let's see if we can get to 200 by today. Uh, this is our fastest start ever. I've been doing this Kickstarter for eight years and we cleared hundred backers in 24 hours. That's crazy. I've never, I'm, when I started off my very first year of doing my Kickstarter, uh, I, in 40 days of fundraising, I earned what I did yesterday in the first day. So this is also just to say like, for all of you out there, like who are content creators, astrologers in practice, whatever, just keep doing what you love and keep pouring your heart and soul into it. And, you know, if you make things from the heart, my experience is that people um, can feel that and, and they, they get on board and they're willing to support people that uh, connect with them in that way. So, you know, just a big thank you to all of you. My dream has come true because of all of you. I get to do what I love. So thank you so much. And we will see you guys again tomorrow. 10.30.